I would like for you to take the word of God, please, and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Lamentations. We'll begin reading in Lamentations chapter 3. If you have your Bible open there. My wife and I deeply appreciate all the kind expressions passed along to me, especially from our children and young people. One particular young person said, I want you to be well. <laughs> I said, I want to be well too. And I'm uh, getting there, so don't worry. And then I, I heard another word after that. He said, when I was just a little boy growing up here, you were my pastor. And I want to have the opportunity to say to my children, <laughs> he was my pastor um, he won't, I want him to be your pastor. And it's nice, kind. I've been here in this church 36 years. I was in the ministry uh, 20 years before I came here. 21 years. And it's been just a pure delight. I still have as much joy and excitement about what God's called me to do as I ever have. And my heart is filled with dreams we have a lot to do. And these are the days, perilous times though they be, perilous times though they be, these are the days to get it done. So be strong. Be strong in the Lord. And pray that I'll be strong and follow through with what God has given us to do. I want you to have some of those statistical things on that bulletin. Uh, we'll have the opportunity, God willing, we have now 16,500 people enrolled in our Bible studies Amen. across the world and across the state in the Sunday schools. And we hope to go forward to 20,000 people in that. And the Lord is enabling people are learning, people are getting the burden. And we're grateful to God for it. If you have your Bible open to the book of Lamentations, this is a book of the Bible that I want, I want it to be very important to you. There's so much here for us, especially for this time in our lives. I've given messages on each chapter, each verse, through the years from the Lamentations of Jeremiah. But I want to bring your attention to the third chapter. We'll begin just with one verse. Verse 41. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 41. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. Would you read that with me, please, aloud, together? Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. Notice the Bible says, our heart with our hands unto God. What is in our heart to do 
God gives us the opportunity to understand that we can take action for the Lord from our heart, using our hands to serve the Lord. This is really a call to intense prayer. I want you to understand a little bit about what God's people have been through here in the Lamentations of Jeremiah. They're talking about the suffering of God's people with the destruction of Judah by the hands of the Babylonians. There was never such sorrow like the sorrow these people went through. They're not without hope because God is still on the throne. In the closing chapter, chapter five, the Bible says in verse 21, turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Renew our days as of old. God is still able to do that. Turn thou us and we shall be turned. This is a time for God's people to seek the Lord with their whole heart. And the Bible says not only to give our heart to the Lord, but to lift our hands to God. There's more than symbolism in lifting our hands to the Lord. The hands of God's people lifted to the Lord are implying that they're given to the Lord, they belong to the Lord. We want to serve him. In the revelation of Jesus Christ, when the Antichrist is revealed, he is revealed with people taking a mark. And the mark is on their head or on their hands. In other words, implying that the God of the earth empowered by the devil wants the people on the earth to give themselves to him and not to God. And that's coming, the Bible says. Certain things that we understand to be the stage of human life and existence being prepared for the Antichrist to take his place. In the worldwide rebellion against the Lord that will be led by the Antichrist, there's a real person who will reveal himself, a person who is the most winsome, the most powerful person yet to be revealed outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Antichrist to execute his desires on the earth and to have people following him. The stage is being set. There's no doubt about that. And all the things that were revealed to us in the Old Testament, in books like the Lamentations of Jeremiah, are a foretaste when God's will is not done 
and the force of evil waged against the Lord were attempting to have their evil ways executed on the earth. One thing we learn is that God used the Babylonians to execute his judgment on his own people. And if you don't get anything else from the destruction of Jerusalem and the conquering of Jerusalem at the hands of the Babylonian Empire, you learn that God raised up the Babylonians for a task that God allowed. And sometimes the only way to understand what's happening in the world when it seems like such bad things are happening and worse things are on the way is to understand that many times Satan and his power is used by God to accomplish God's will in judgment. There are times when Satan is a tool of the devil, of the Lord. The devil is a tool of the Lord. And it is surely the devil that does, does these things. It is surely the devil's rebellion against God that execute these things. But the Lord allows so many of these things to happen and the timing for them. Now, if we could take the lamentations of Jeremiah and just unfold what's happening in this book of the Bible, we would see the execution of judgment on the land of Judah and Jerusalem. And certainly you'd ask the question, why in the world is this happening? Why does God allow such a thing? When the evil Babylonian empire lays siege to Jerusalem and the judgment of God, he says, in fury, in the most intense form, is being laid out on his own people. You say, didn't they pray and seek God? They prayed from their heart. They did not seek the Lord. And the Lord allowed the judgment to be executed by Babylon on his own people. If you read through the Lamentations of Jeremiah, that's what you're going to find. Just a little of it in verse 1 and chapter 1. How doth the city sit solitary that was full of people? How has she become as a widow? She that was great among the nations and princes among the provinces. How has she become tributary? A land of such freedom. How has this happened? Chapter 1, verse 2 says, She weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she hath none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her, they have become her enemies. 
The word of God says in verse 5, her adversaries are the chief, her enemies prosper. For the Lord hath afflicted her, but the multitude of her transgressions, her children are gone into captivity because the enemy, before the enemy, from the daughters of Zion, all her beauty is departed. Verse 7 says, Jerusalem remembered in the days of her affliction and of her miseries all her pleasant things that she had in days of old when her people fell into the hand of the enemy and none did help her. The adversaries saw her and did mock at her Sabbath. So God goes on and on to tell us that he's allowed these things to happen. The Bible says in verse 12, Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, wherein the Lord hath afflicted me in the days of his fierce anger. And when you're reading through the book and you get to the third chapter, God lays out in detail the sinful condition of his people and the punishment that's executed from the Lord. Again, the Bible says the people are encouraged to call out to God and pray. Let us search and try our ways Turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heaven. We have transgressed and have rebelled. Thou hast not pardoned. What do we learn from this? When I was a very young man, it seems like so long ago, I was 19 years old. I was called as the pastor of the Greenback Memorial Baptist Church in Greenback, Tennessee. My wife and I had such a joy being the pastor, pastor's wife of that people. We loved seeing what God did. Beautiful rural setting in East Tennessee the farming village, actually, of Greenback, Tennessee. The people loved us. We loved them so. We knew when we were there, it was something special. Perhaps it would never be repeated. One day, as a 19-year-old pastor, I was outside of the church building. and We were on a highway that connected with a highway connected it to an area that you can move into the interstate, Highway 95. And strange as it sounds, on that little road running beside the church, a huge tractor-trailer truck came pulling into our parking lot. And a big burly man immediately left the truck and came running toward me. He said, I have to see the pastor. I have to see the pastor. I didn't know what was going on, but I said to him, I'm the pastor. 
he said, just a few miles up the road, there's been a young man who was on a bicycle who was struck. And his mother came running out, waving her arms in front of me and asked, can you please help me? Can you please help me? And he said, I was just frozen there. She said, my boy is hurt. Will you pray for him? He said, I've just left the scene and I need to get the pastor because I'm not in the condition to pray. I'm not in the condition of heart to cry out to God. And I need to find the pastor. And the first time I came past a church building, I determined I'd try to find a pastor to get him out up the road to that, that boy and that mother. I'll never forget that. I wonder how many times an emergency happens suddenly and we know somebody needs to pray. Somebody needs to ask God for help. Someone needs to cry out to the Lord for God to break through and give answers and deliver. We did what we could to answer the man's call. But I've thought many times reflecting on that story. How suddenly heartache, tragedy, bewilderment, helplessness can happen. But when we open our Bibles to this portion of scripture, that's what we're seeing. The Babylonians had broken through the wall of Jerusalem. The city had been conquered. Thousands had been killed. Jeremiah even recorded that it would have been better to have been killed than to suffer the treatment that people suffered at the cruelty of the Babylonian conquerors. And the city was destroyed. When the Lord gives this account, this funeral sermon of what happened, in the lamentations in the Bible, that's what it's meant to be. For us to be able to look at the scene, to see the tragedy that the people suffered and to ask, how did God allow such a thing to take place? Let me just point out just a few things because we're living in the moment where people imagine that such a thing could happen. The Bible says evil men and seducers wax worse and worse. And the tragedy is that most people who give commentary about it believe it's going to get worse. We're hearing everything imaginable. Just listen to this. Back to Lamentations chapter 3. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. Verse 40 says, let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. 
It's as though they're in the midst of the tragedy. Now what are we going to do? And the people say in verse 42 of chapter 3, we have transgressed, they have rebelled. Thou hast not pardoned. I want you to mark the pronouns here just a moment in that verse, would you please? In verse 42, first we, we. And then thou, thou hast not pardoned. We have transgressed, thou hast not pardoned. If we're going to do what we ought to do, we need to be involved in intense prayer and crying out to God. The situation, the situation in the world, the situation in our country, the situation with most people we know is in peril. And people should be crying out. But the truth of the matter is, we're still thinking we could take it or leave it. We still have options on the table. We don't have to get desperate. Why get desperate? Why alarm someone? Like the mother who ran into the highway and stopped a truck there in the little village of Greenback, Tennessee. And facing any peril that she had to face because her boy had been struck riding a bicycle. I've got to have help and I have to have help now. She asked this big burly truck driver if he could get a hold of God and pray. And he said, Pastor, I had to admit to her in the midst of all her need that I couldn't pray and get a hold of God. I couldn't pray and get a hold of God. Can you pray and get a hold of God? Can you break through? The Bible says, call upon me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And that's a call from God. But here the Bible says, we have, we have, notice, we have transgressed. There has to first be a thorough cleansing for our sin. Have you ever had that kind of thing going on in your life? You see, most of the time when we pray, we just jump in. Think God's just anxious to hear us. But the Bible says that we ought to be confessing our sin and crying out to God. Every mother, every father, every leader, every believer needs to do what's necessary to keep the line of communication open with God because at any moment you may need it. I want you to hold your place here just a moment and turn with me to the book of 1 John in the New Testament. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, if we confess our sins, in verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says there's an open door that God has made a way so that we can pray and talk to him. Cry out to God, whatever the need may be. If we confess our sin, 1 John 
chapter 1, verse 9. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The truck driver said to me that day, I can't pray. I can't reach God. I can't get through. Big burly guy was weeping. and He said, the mother needed me. The little boy needed me. And I couldn't get through. And I'm saying to you, not, not just to give a warning, but to tell you the truth, there will come a time, there will come a time in your life or the life of someone you love when you need desperately to get a hold of God. God to move on the scene and work in the life of someone you love or in your own life. So we have to keep everything on what we might call praying ground. For the Lord has truly said to us, call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He said here, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There has to be the true confession of our sin. Could it be that God is doing such a thing in our land, in our world, where you live now? All the awful things we hear about happening, could it be that there's a message coming from God saying, are you ready to pray? You're in peril. Your land is in peril. Often I hear people say things like, if you can have this, just have the opportunity to look ahead just a little bit and see the peril and crisis that we're headed toward, what would you do to be able to get a hold of God to deal with it? To be able to deal with it? And it's up to God's people. Doesn't the Lord say, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land? I don't think I've ever lived in a time when there was so much talk about what's wrong. Listen, so much talk about what's wrong and so little crying out to God to change it. I almost never hear people say, we've got to trust the Lord. Will you help me pray? Will you pray with me? I almost never hear that. Lots of talk about what's going wrong. So little talk about leaning on the Lord. This is the moment that God has allowed to speak to the heart of his children Amen. so that his children can speak to him and that God can move on the scene and do what only God's able to do. Now the setting is unbelievable with lives lost, families destroyed, enemies carried into the country, people carried away in captivity. 
As a matter of fact, the Bible says that no one could have ever imagined this could happen. Do you ever think that the unimaginable could happen? You ever think that way? Turn with me back to the Lamentations just a moment. Just to hear what God says. I want to hear it. I want you to hear it. When the Lord speaks about what his children are seeing, in chapter 4 of Lamentations, the Bible says, verse 12, look at it please. Verse 12 of chapter 4. The kings of the earth and all the inhabitants of the world would not have believed that the adversary and the enemy should have entered into the gates of Jerusalem. Think about it. There's not one person on earth that would ever dreamed this could happen to God's strong people. Why did the Lord allow that to happen? Why did God put it in the Bible? Why is God speaking to us about this? What does he want us to learn? What does he want us to learn? He wants us to learn that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. What has happened to God's people in the past could happen to God's people today if they don't cry out to the Lord. Keep the door open. Prepare yourself. Be ready to pray. Let me tell you what I see happening. And this is a very personal note. I find people who are willing to let things get in their homes, in their lives, that hinder their ability to pray and talk to God. I find that people are careless about things creeping in, things that cause difficulty, things that don't need to be the way they are, but they, they're things that are unforgiven. Sad things. Just in the last few days, I've had to deal with a person who let something come between them and another family member. And you say, what's so bad about that? I say, what are you going to do when you need to get a hold of God? What are you going to do when you need to have peace in that home? Someone has to be enough of a Christian if there's a Christian involved to say, I want to talk to you. We are not only brothers or sisters, we're Christians. And I don't want this between us because we need to pray for one another and encourage one another. We don't need to let something get between us that hinders us from being willing to cry out to God. What would it be like if something tragic came. The Bible says man that's born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And it happens. It can happen to you. Keep your life and your family and 
your loved ones on praying ground. Say, I forgive you often. Keep the lines of communication open. God says we ought to be living with our heart and our hands toward heaven, saying, Lord, help me. Don't be careless about this. These are perilous times. They're not ordinary times. Don't be careless about this. Let God help you. As a pastor for over 56 years, I've had funeral services where people, family members haven't spoken to one another. We have disruptions. I've had them say things like this. My parents and I haven't spoken in over 50 years. And I say, well, why? They may even say, I don't remember now why. We let something get between us. Think about it. You may be having trouble with a son or a daughter, a husband or a wife, a mother or a father. At this moment, you may be having something that's gotten between you and both of you need God. Your children still need God. You need God. Your family needs God. But you can't pray. You can't pray to God and love one another like you ought to because you've let something happen that never needed to happen. Whatever you need to do, whatever you need to do, to get it right with God and right with one another, you need to do. Because the day is surely coming for all of you. You need an open line to God give you this warning.